Recently, I was having a conversation with my mother and a friend, and I said that I may have been feeling depressed for a while. I told them specifically that I had been feeling depressed since I was a child, because as I was growing up, I was made fun of for my weight a lot. People were sort of making sly remarks about how I was square or how I was soft, and you know, no one wants to be called those things. And of course, me as being a, a I think I was like maybe 12, 12, 13, no one wants to hear those things. And so I had told my my mother and a friend that, you know, I, I had known I had been depressed for a while. And there would be times where I'd be asleep and I'd think of, um, you know, not exactly good thoughts, but I didn't want to harm myself because it was harm enough me having to sort of brood in my thoughts about self-hatred and about the fact that, you know, I wish I was thinner or I just, you know, you know, in a in a way you would think, oh, I just wish I wasn't here type of thing, but you don't really mean it. But some people do. I hope I, I hope you guys know what I mean. But recently I was having a conversation with my mother and a friend. And like I said, I said when I had been feeling depressed for a long time. And I think it's one of those things where it probably started off as a, as sadness, like a, like a, uh, just a, a sadness that occurs over time where someone has provoked you. Because I know as a child, my father would sort of make fun of my weight and he would say like, oh, I'm being, I'm getting big or something. Even children at school would do the same thing. So I've always had weight issues and it always weighed on me. <laughs> That's funny, sort of, not really, but it, it always weighed on me my issues with my with my weight and so there would be times where legit when I was a I was like 13 I would like say Camille you're going too fast or you're going to you know not eat but then I'd break that because you know I'd realize how unrealistic it is for me not to eat and then there'd be times where I would say oh Camille you're stupid or or whatever and I look at myself in the mirror and I just start crying but that was all when I was like, like early teenager, like maybe 12, 13, 14. And then as I got older, my issues with my body, it sort of changed when I became a vegetarian, but because I lost a lot of weight, but not too much to where it was unhealthy. But then when I lost a lot of weight, my father was saying how, how thin I had gotten or how skinny I was and now I'm going to disappear soon. I think my mother was saying the same thing. So it's like you're never... You're either too big or too thin, and it's never a, sorry, there's a car going by, and it's never a, like, a, a middle. There's never a good middle point. You're either too much of something or you're too small of something, and that's what suck, sucked. And so whenever I was having this conversation with my mother and my friend who just happened to be there, I said I had been, like I said, I said I've been feeling depressed for a while, and then they said something along the lines of, what makes you think that you have depression or what are the symptoms of depression? Or how can you have depression when you have such a good life or you live a life where you can have everything you could possibly want? How can you be depressed? And of course, I started crying in the middle of me trying to explain it because one, I began to panic after saying I had been feeling depressed a bit and I felt a bit attacked when they said that. And number two, I had just told them something that has been weighing on me for a while and, seem, and it seemed like they dismissed me by questioning how I felt. The thing is, whether you are wealthy or poor, able-bodied or disabled, black or white, no matter your gender identification, depression is alive and well 
in many people regardless of anything. Now, of course, depression should not be like, um, should not be mistaken as sadness and sadness not depression because depression is sort of, it's like a, a deeper form of sadness, I guess, if, if I can say it like that. It's more if, um, it's like a long lasting thing. There we go. Sadness is usually temporary, a temporary state and depression is more of a long lasting state. And so it's, we should probably try to tell the difference between those. I know sometimes people use them interchangeably, but when it comes to talking about emotions, sometimes depression and sadness can be confused, but it is alive and well in many people, regardless of anything. It's not alive and well in all people, but it is alive and well in many people. Depression does not discriminate whatsoever. You know, I can feel depressed about my future, my school life. I can be depressed about family life. I can be depressed and anxious about things. It does It does not have to do with, um, it does not have to be big things that I'm anxious or depressed about. It does not have to be something small. I can be depressed about my weight, my relationship with food. I can be depressed about the fact that I have two parents, but one parent always feels a need to make fun of my weight, how much I'm eating and my intellectual abilities. Whether or not I'm good at my crafts, I get made fun of that sometimes. I certainly do not want to feel this way, but I most definitely do not need people basically telling me that I have nothing to feel depressed about. Just because I, I have a nice life, like I mentioned before, just because I have a nice life, I live in a nice house or whatever the crap, does not mean I can't feel depressed. Rich people can feel depressed. Poor people can feel depressed. People in the middle can feel depressed. Depression, like I said, does not discriminate. And I hate when people say that to me. Oh, you live in a nice house. What can you have to worry about? I have a lot of things that I could worry about. Some things that I, I don't worry about. But there are things that I, I can and I do worry about. It, it, it's stupid to say that. And I hate hearing that because my father has said it. My friend said it to me. My mother basically says it, but like indirectly says it. it. It doesn't make sense to say that to someone. No one wants to be depressed. No one wants to be anxiety ridden. No one wants to hate themselves. No one wants to despise the body they have. But it is, it is the daunting truth that haunts many people all around the world. Some people are able to hide their um, their health issues from people, like their mental health issues. And some people are not able to hide their mental health issues from people because those issues have become too unsettling and dispiriting. The validity of depression should not be measured based upon whether or not you have a good life. It should be dependent upon how that person is describing what is hurting them deep inside. You do not attack someone for feeling how they feel and you should just listen to them tell you how they feel. Then one of them, um, I forgot, one of them, I think it was either my friends or I think it was my mother or something. One of them asked me, what are the signs of depression? Like, what are the symptoms? And so I started listing the symptoms. But depression is not something that you can see on the outside of someone. Not always, you can't really see it. It is basically a silent killer oftentimes. It is not easy to just point out and say, hey, I think that person is depressed. That is not how things work. How are you going to grill someone about what their depression is? That It just doesn't sound right to grill me about what makes me think that I'm depressed. I was not comfortable when it was happening whatsoever. And then they were like, well, if you really had depression, then why don't you just reach out to someone? Your school has counseling available for free. And I said that I was afraid and I was not comfortable. And normally just 
I and I said that I normally just journal about my feelings or I talk about them on my podcast, which is what I'm doing now. I talk about them as a way of getting them off my chest. It is just that my feelings of hopelessness do not become so engulfing to the point where it is debilitating. I mean, maybe they are right. Maybe I do not have depression because I come from wealthy parents. I live in a nice house. I have a, I live in a nice neighborhood, right? So that just means that, you know, she can't struggle internally or she can't possibly feel depressed. So maybe they're right, you know what I mean? And sometimes I can barely walk into my school or I can barely walk into the schools for an office without silently panicking or slightly shaking because of the slight anxious feelings rushing through my body. It is never easy to seek out help from someone and from others. And for others, it, it is easier for them to seek out help, sort of, but not always. But what is the point of first questioning how I am feeling and then saying, why don't you just get help? I mean, I guess when I was, sometimes whenever we do have these conversations, part of me really wants them to help me because I, I don't want to feel isolated because sometimes I feel alienated from my surroundings and I don't want to feel that way but it's because sometimes I feel uncomfortable being around my family and I I just I don't know how to explain it that's probably another podcast maybe I'll explain it later but I don't know if I am in the wrong here and maybe I'm just being over dramatic and overreacting but when it comes to helping someone close to you and they are feeling a bit lost in life you should provide some type of comfort first and then ask questions later or just don't grill them at all Be a peaceful factor and see what you can do to help them feel more comfortable. All I'm saying is there are so many ways to helping someone with emotional and mental health issues rather than just grilling them on the validity of their emotions. The moral of the story is that depression does not look the same. Depression does not really feel the same for everyone. Depression does not end the same way for everyone. Depression is something that can start small and then it can accumulate and escalate. Just keep that in mind when talking to people about mental health. Look out for people and ask if they are okay. Ask them how they are feeling. Um, But, you know, whenever I said I had depression, there are times where I feel like I am having like a outer body experience, but not really how they show it in movies. And I feel like my body is detached from my spirit. And therefore I feel like I'm a dead man walking, like a zombie walking. And so sometimes I, it's like a, it's like derealization or depersonalization, something like that. And so normally it's I that happens to me during stressful times or when I feel stress in on the inside internally. And, and I don't know how else to explain it other than that. And so it's just one of those things where um, I have to you sort of take a minute and just relax. But uh, I'm going to move on from this topic, and I'll probably talk about it later, some other podcast episode. But the main purpose of this podcast episode was to talk about Get Out. And Get Out was and still is one of my favorite movies by Jordan Peele. I loved it because of how suspenseful and peculiar it is. It is not suspense like The Conjuring or like the Scream movies. It is suspenseful in a way that it's like home invasion movies which are my favorite movies. I absolutely love home invasion movies. I have such an inkling for home invasion movies because I always think that I am learning something good and I am learning what not to do, which is probably why I'm slightly paranoid about people breaking breaking into our house and hurting us and robbing us. I, have, I always have nightmares that I am being murdered by someone, but I could never tell who. And most likely my nightmares are the result of what I watch or listen to. 
So I guess I'm doing I so I guess I'm doing this to myself, but I just love demented movies. I find it interesting to watch someone's downfall in movies and then oftentimes they rise to the challenge and they beat some butt. But anyway, Get Out was a very good movie. The colors and lighting of the movie were good and pleasing to my eyes. That's my cat. My cat's making a lot of noise. But let me tell you what the Get Out is about. So you have this young black man and this young Caucasian woman. Yes, their race does play a part in this movie. But basically, they decided that it was time to meet her parents. And so they go on a weekend getaway to some place where her parents are in Chris. Um, which is the black guy's name, Chris, he at first sees, he um, at first sees her parents are a bit over the top and he thinks that it may be due to the fact that their daughter is in, a, in an interracial relationship. But after he meets her parents, nothing was ever the same for the rest of that weekend. The movie reminds me of like, guess who's coming to dinner with Ashton Kutcher and Zoe Saldana and Bernie Mac. When Zoe Saldana's Zoe Saldana's character brings home a white boy and her father basically freaks out and then a slight rivalry um, begins between the father and Ashton Kutcher's character. It is absolutely hilarious but Get Out is a more brutal movie but it is very impeccable. It seems that this movie may have been motivated by a black person's anxiety or doubts about interracial relationships and how to deal with the parent assuming they don't know that about the relationship it makes you think about whether or not the parents are racist. It makes you think about whether or not this is a trap and you're heading towards your doom. There's a lot to think about when it comes to interracial dating, whether or not it is a black or Caucasian couple, a Native American Caucasian couple, Hispanic and black couple. Whether, whatever the case may be, race is a factor that oftentimes normally plays a significant role in relationships and whether or not family members will accept you. Race should not matter in relationships, but I think that 90% it does matter in relationships. I see it in older movies all the time where black, where black parents may tell their sons to not get um, with a white girl or I have seen it where the rich Caucasian parents will indirectly but directly make sly racist comments about their daughter's black boyfriend. It happens a lot. Like, for example, if I remember correctly, in that movie, um, Cruel Intentions, Cicely has a black cello teacher named Ronald Clifford. And it appeared that Cicely, um, I feel like I'm saying her name wrong, Cicely developed feelings for her cello teacher. But then Catherine tells Cicely's mother, and Catherine is her friend, um, and out of disapproval for his race, um, her mother orders them to break up. And then that is when Cecily becomes a bit promiscuous and stuff. But like I was saying, a lot of times race plays a part in a lot of movies when it comes to dating or any type of romance, really. I just hate how it is always the black man that is being played. You know what I mean? To me, it seems that movies like when there um, appears, movies like that where it appears that the black man is being set up. Um, oh, I all, <laughs> my brain is all over the place. But I also forgot there's another movie that plays into this whole interracial dating thing. Um, it is called The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. But it's not really interracial dating. It's just whenever the movie sort of sets up the black man to basically fail, sort of. Now, Solomon, the house painter, is, is a house painter for a Caucasian family who hired him from a program that works with disabled humans. And he gets a job um, within that company. And so he has a mental retardation, and in one scene, he was 
in the middle of painting. And um, the house nanny, who has already been established as a great Eputa, she purposefully came onto Solomon and she made it seem like the advances were all one-sided and not provoked at all by her. So she made it seem like he was to creep. And so she continued this horrible act and she put she put the mother that she babysits for, she put the mother's daughter's underwear into Solomon's workbox or something like that. And then she somehow lured the mother up there to where Solomon's workbox was. And when the mother found the toolbox with her child's underwear in it, she stormed down to Solomon and she yelled at him. She started crying and then she slapped him because she thought he was being inappropriate towards her daughter. But it was actually false because it was the nanny's fault. Solomon didn't do anything wrong. But this is what I'm this is what I'm talking about. It just seems that with every movie I watch, the black man or black woman, they are being humiliated or they're being portrayed by someone um, else as being some type of ghetto hood rat caricature. It is not a good look because from the way that black people are portrayed in movies, it carries out into real life and people expect us to be that way. This is sort of this is part of the reason that it, I was called um, white by my peers growing up. They always saw black women as being ghetto fabulous and ratchet and always and they always saw black women as having an attitude. But growing up, I think that um, whenever white people would call me white, it's because I didn't act ghetto fabulous or ratchet. And I think having that mindset about black women is absolutely disgusting. Or how about the fact that people don't see black women as women because they think we are muscular or too thick or too big. Like they think um, like with Serena Williams. People were racist to her and they still are because she is fit and has muscles and therefore they don't see her as being a woman. They just see her as being a she-man and that is that is completely effed up. It is effed up that many people assume that because black women are so strong or in their body or because black women may have a bigger body build that we are not deserving of sympathy or that we are not sensitive. People think that black women are always portrayed as um, fighters because people think that because black women are always portrayed as fighters, that we can just defend ourselves and therefore we do not need help, safety or security. Black women and men are not some type of MMA fighter always ready to throw it down. We are human, we cry, we are depressed. We are not always going to be strong. We are small, we are big, we are everything in between. We are human and it is horrible that many of us are not regarded as such. And I hate how many movies portray black suffering and black pain which is why I'm happy that we have movies like Little by Marseille, I forgot her last name, and movies like What Man Want. Those are movies that do not make the use of Black pain, and that is wonderful. Even Medea movies, they don't really bank on Black pain too, too much. There is normally like a happy ending, but Medea movies are so funny that you will laugh your intestines out. So, but it's still, the whole Black pain thing, it's, we don't need it. But the moral of this podcast episode is one, we need to stop banking on black pain and start giving us more black happiness and black success in movies. Number two, Get Out is a great movie that I recommend all people to see. And number three, I have homework to do and more procrastination to accomplish. So I will see you next time on Chilling with Millie. Oh, but first I must say a quote. Black is in fashion. That quote is by Daniel Kaluuya. Also, real quick, I just read something that said something about negrophilia. Negrophilia is a craze for black culture. To me, it is like a craze for black culture, but not the people behind the culture. The same thing with people loving Asian culture and food, but not appreciating the Asians behind the culture, or people loving Hispanic food, but not appreciating the lives behind the great madness that is Mexican food.
Here's a tip for all. Respect the food or respect the music. Respect the people. Adios, meus amores. Thank you for listening.